Well, good morning. My name is Tim Homa, and I am the uh, campus pastor at the Richmond Rosenberg campus of Sugar Creek Baptist Church. And I am so glad that you are here this morning on the first Sunday of 2019. And I know that we are six days into this, so many of you are in the middle of your goals and resolutions for this year. Well, I have some news. I heard this week, not certain where I heard it from, but by January 12th, most resolutions and goals are broken. So if you're a half full kind of person, you're halfway there. If you're a half empty kind of person, you're halfway there. But hang in there, hang in there with their goals and resolutions. It could be a good year. I know many of us are glad that 2018 is behind us and we're moving forward. And maybe in the back of your mind you're thinking, uh-oh, here comes the first pastor of the year. He's going to talk to us about resolutions. On the contrary, I'm not. But I'm going to challenge us this morning. I'm going to challenge us this morning to look back at 2018 and say, what can we do better this year than we did last year? If we could do one thing better than we did in 2018, what would that be? So as I began to work and study and prepare for this message, I kept going back to a passage of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 7. It's Jesus' golden rule. But I found an interesting translation that I think you may relate with that will help us as we get going this morning. So let me read to you from this translation, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Therefore... Treat other people in the same way that you would like to be treated. Well, let's pose a question off of that verse this morning. How would I, how would you most like to be treated? How would I like to be treated by my staff, by my colleagues? How would I like to be treated by my neighbors, by my kids, by church people, by non-church people? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I don't think I've ever asked myself that question in this context, so I decided the best way to do this would be to imagine putting a piece of paper in front of me and writing down, based off of my life today, looking at my world, how would I most like to be treated? Well, the first thing that I put on there was I would most like to be treated with respect. I would want people to respect me. Secondly, I put on there I would like to be treated kindly. And lastly, I said, I would like to be treated fairly. Now, I could have put down that, or I could have said that I would want to be treated like a rock star or some, someone famous. Never crossed my mind. Or I said, you know what, I like to be treated with hugs and kisses and smoochy-goochy, all that kind of stuff. No way. Never came to mind. But I think it's an interesting exercise that many of us could take that if we were to follow The golden rule of Jesus, which basically says, decide, sit down, think through, decide how you would most like to be treated by everybody every day, and then go out and treat everyone the exact same way. And Jesus says it would change the world if we did that, which meant that if I had to learn what it meant to respect, I had to do some homework. If respect is number one on my list of things that I would, how I would like to be treated, I had to learn what respect meant. Well, here's what I found. Respect is holding the other person in high regard, no matter who they are. Holding them in high regard and treating them accordingly. Respect is valuing people and treating them as valuable. Respect is to esteem someone highly and, again, 
treating them accordingly. So if I wanted to be treated with respect, which is tops on my list, it becomes my mission out of the necessity of life, according to the golden rule of Jesus, to treat every single person I meet with respect, high regard, and as valuable. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says it straightforwardly, and just in case the golden rule isn't clear enough, show proper respect to everyone. This isn't a suggestion in the Bible. This is a directive. Show proper respect, not when it's convenient, not when it's around the people you like, but to everyone, period. But the million-dollar question this morning is this. How do you hold other people in high regard, and how do you treat them accordingly? I had a difficult time answering this question. I wanted to make certain that I put together the best sermon possible. And so I went to the internet like normal people do these days, and I put in the Google search line, how to respect people. And surprisingly, the internet does not have a large number of articles or books or comments about how to respect others, surprisingly. But I worked hard, so don't think you're just getting a 15-minute message because I couldn't find anything. I found some stuff. So we're going to be here, normal time. You're going to get the sermon that you all deserve. It's the first sermon of the new year. But the topic is a tough one. The topic is tough because respect is one of those things that are, is void in our country. So first off, let me say this. God reminds us all the time that we do not come into this world. We do not make our arrival on planet Earth as fully developed, respectful people. When the doctor gives us a slap on the backside when he brings us into the world safely, we don't honor that doctor by saying, thanks a lot for bringing us safely into the world. For some of us, we may say, who is this guy slapping me? Who gave this guy a license? I'm going to have to call Child Protective Service when I get older on this guy. When we were toddlers, we don't automatically hold our brothers and sisters in high regard. We don't treat them respectfully when we're little kids. We grab their ice cream cones. We take their toys and steal them as much as we can. Who gives a rip about respecting our siblings when we're little kids, right? When we're in middle school, did we ever shower respect upon our teachers and parents when they were telling us what the rules were and how to be good? No. What, am I, what I am saying is that we must learn over time how to become respectful. And in my own experiences, this is a lifelong process. So what I would like to do for the remainder of this time together is I would like to share with you some ways that we could show respect, to offer you some private practical lessons, if you will, of how to show respect in high regard. And the first lesson, if you learn it, if you retain it, it will be the foundation for all the other lessons this morning that will follow. So if you have your note sheet out of your worship guide, grab a pen, do a little writing this morning. Number one, private lesson. Stamp this on your brain forever, that every person that crosses your path is an image bearer of the Most High God. You know that. We talk about that around here all the time. You've never locked eyes on someone who does not matter to God. Not even one. Every single person you greet every single day is someone who Jesus voluntarily shed his blood for. The worst person you know is one prayer away from repenting and becoming your eternal brother and sister. That neighbor, co-worker, 
even a family member. And if you keep this value in the forefront of your mind as you move through your world, it will help you to treat everyone you meet with high regard because the most high God created them. He breathed life into their being and he stamped his image on every person you meet. Well, let me say it another way. God only treasures one thing in this huge, vast universe. Only one thing. It's people. Every single one of them. So every person you interact with every single day is someone God treasures. Even scripture in the book of Psalms talks about how God has elevated us to a point of majesty and glory. Look at this in chapter 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've ordained, what is man that you would take thought of him and the son of man that you would care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God. You have crowned him with what? Glory and majesty. That's how important we are to God. Friends, this view is the bedrock foundation to learning to respect everyone. And once it's stamped, once it's tattooed on your heart and your mind and your soul, it becomes a little easier to treat people with value and high regard. It becomes easier to respect people because you know they do have great value. They have value to God and, they, and God treasures them and loves them. Last year I had an opportunity like I do every year to take a group of students to Columbia. And the part of Columbia that we go to for our trips happens to be in the hottest part of Columbia. It's Houston summer hot year round. <clears throat> and often we have to be in a dress code. It's a proper way of respecting the people that we're serving. We go to a school and we're with kids and we're interacting with these kids. But often we try to find the coolest room to be in because we're in long pants, maybe long sleeve shirts, and it can get really hot. Well, last year I was fixated on one of our students, Major Fick. He's a senior here um, in our church. Major wasn't looking for a cool room. He wasn't looking for an opportunity to be with people who spoke his language. He was out with the kids playing soccer, and I watched kids climb all over Major, and they were just loving on him, and he couldn't care less that he couldn't speak the language clearly. All he cared about was the fact that they were God's treasures. He didn't know them. He wasn't going to see them again, but he was going to respect them and value them. I'll never forget that image. That was such a clear image of this young man realizing that these kids were God's treasures, and he was going to respect them. Okay, lesson number two. Respectful people learn how to differ with people without demonizing them. They learn to differ with people without demonizing them. Respectful people can have spirited debates with others without having to draw blood. They can dislike the other person's position while still holding that person in high regard. And I repeat, this is a learned skill. In my opinion, we as a country are losing this capability. We're losing it. And the results are like hot molten lava of nasty criticism spewing all across our country. The long-range effects, the long-term effects are greater than I think we imagine. As Christians, we're to bring people closer to God, not push them away. And we can do that in spiritual debates. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 33. Even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. 
We want to bring people into a relationship with God, not push them away. How many times have you watched the news? You've been flipping through the channels. You come across a news show where there's two people who are having a debate on an issue. And they just, they just want to win. You've, you've seen it. And they're just they're belittling each other. They're tearing each other's reputations down. They're demonizing each other. They're just yelling. And it gets so ugly where I just go, I can't watch it. I can't watch that. There's no respect in that at all. But the times where I do stop and I pay close attention is when I hear one of the parties in the debate say four words, with all due respect. With all due respect, sir, I disagree with you, but I still respect you. I have my opinion, you have yours. With all due respect, ma'am, I see where you're coming from on this issue, but I'm going to differ, but I'm still going to respect your position. My point is we must all learn, we must train ourselves to grow into people who respect everyone, period. And with proper training, I assure you that you and I could become people who disagree with others but stop well short of demonizing them, tearing them down, belittling them. You could become someone who can disagree with someone but disagree agreeably. You can do this and so can I. Lesson number three, respectful people discipline themselves to believe the best. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. Love believes the best. It doesn't believe the best when it's convenient or when you like it or you feel good. It says believe the best. Over 30 years of being in ministry, I've had an opportunity to travel around the world and do various missions trips. I've been to some countries where the people in that country do not like Americans. And I've walked into some countries actually thinking the worst. Are they going to hurt me? Are they going to hurt my students? Are they going to rob me? Am I going to be treated unfairly? Then after a while, when I started to look at the people in that country, you know what? They love their spouses just like I love my spouse. They love their kids and want to raise their kids just like I want to love my kids and raise my kids. They want peace just like I want peace. Never again am I going to be suckered into thinking the worst about other people. I don't want to do that. I don't want to walk into a country thinking the worst. I want to walk into other countries and train my mind to believe the best in people that I'll encounter. And I want that to be translated here in this country as well. So can I challenge you on this? Believe the best about the other. Go into new situations with openness in humility, instead of defensiveness and suspicion. It will help you be respectful. Lesson number four, respectful people don't interrupt others. Respectful people don't interrupt others and will never dominate a conversation. Why? Because respectful people actually want to hear the thoughts and feelings of someone else. They say, finish what you're saying. Tell me the whole thing. I'm actually interested. I hold you in high regard. I want to know your thoughts and feelings. How many of us have been in conversations before when we've been asked a question and in the middle of our answer they cut us off because they don't really want to know the answer. They want to dominate. They want to interrupt and dominate because they want to give you their perspective. They want to give you their view. That is disrespectful. I want to engage in conversations with people where I can hear their thoughts and feelings and they want to hear my thoughts and feelings as well. 
When they cut us off, it just, when people cut us off in conversations, it reminds me of a passage of scripture found in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2. I don't have this scripture up here, but this is one that just has always stayed with me. A fool does not delight in understanding, only in revealing his own mind. Those are people who are disrespectful. They interrupt and they dominate. You know what else interrupts and dominates conversations? This thing. I think we're all at fault to some degree, won't you agree? There are times where in the middle of a conversation, maybe you're talking, maybe the party's talking to you, there's a vibration, there's a buzz, there's a ding, and suddenly we're doing this, or they're doing this. And they tell you, oh, I'm good at multitasking. Really? That's disrespectful. When that person is talking, we didn't always have cell phones. Remember when we listened? Remember when we listened to other people? But phones interrupt and they can dominate conversations. Lesson number five, respectful people guard their volume levels and they refuse to use inflammatory words and phrases to make their point. Proverbs 15.1 is a great verse for 2019 to memorize. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word makes tempers flare. Part of what has saddened many of us over this past election season back in November has been the use of inflammatory words, hurtful, outright offensive words and phrases in the political seasons. And this happened on both sides of the political aisle. But people who are serious in wanting to respect everyone, period, they sit down one day and they decide to eliminate certain words and phrases from their vocabulary. Why? Why do they do this? Because they realize these words and phrases are fundamentally disrespectful. They don't help the conversation. They damage people's souls. So they stop and they say, you know what? There are a bunch of words and phrases I'm never going to use again. I'm not going to be that type of person again. I'm going to choose to use my words differently. At some point, all of us, we're going to have to decide as we move into 2019... What type of person we want to be as we move forward? Are we going to be building families and relationships with respect or disrespect? Are we going to be uniters or dividers? Lovers or haters? Builders or destroyers of people? And somewhere in this election, the past election season, it became cool to announce that political correctness didn't really matter any longer which seemed to me that that simply opened up the floodgates for more offensive, inflammatory words. It got ugly, didn't it? It got ugly even in our own state. And Scripture, the Bible, still has got to be our guide. So I want to slow down for a minute. I want us to look at a passage of Scripture. I want it to soak in. I want it to hit home. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Only words that build up others. Let no unwholesome word ever come out of your mouth. Ever. And then it changes and says, but the words that should come out of your mouth are words that build up others. What a great verse. What if all of the world submitted to just this one scripture? What a difference it would make to let no unwholesome words come out of our mouth. Only words that build up others. So reviewing lesson number five. Respectful people guard their volumes. 
and refused to use inflammatory words and phrases to make their point. And this decision covers personal conversation, public debate, and social media. Social media has become a war zone with no rules. And Christians, Christians are using unthinkable words and phrases to express themselves in disrespectful, non-Christian ways. They are. Because there's a blind spot in their minds thinking that social media doesn't apply to Scripture. That they're on two different levels. So let me ask you to bring all of this spoken, written social media under the guidance and supervision of God's word. That you let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, come off your fingertips on a laptop, or onto a piece of paper from a pen, whatever. Only words that build up others. It would change the world. All right, number six, respectful people, get ready, are courteous and kind to everyone, everywhere. You know, I was thinking about this as I wrote this message this past couple weeks, that some of the classiest, sophisticated, the people I respect the most are those people that tend to be courteous and kind to the people that we don't always notice. They seem to be the ones that are the courteous and kind, and they're elevating people that are, in our mind, just people who exist, uh, like the wait staff at a restaurant, airline personnel behind the counter, door hops, bell hops from hotels, all of those types of people that we just kind of assume are there, respectful people are courteous and kind to them, always. And yet, sadly, I've been with some of my dear Christian friends at a restaurant, and I've seen them treat the, treat the wait staff as though they were second-rate citizens. And it just broke my heart to see a Christian treat somebody like that. Friends, we're surrounded by restaurants around this church and businesses they should know us by how courteous and kind we are to them. They should know us by us, our love for them, not by a disrespectful moment because we treated them like second-class people. Our church should be well-known around this area of town by how kind and courteous we are. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verse 10 is almost like Scripture telling us to be competitive. Watch this. Love one another with brotherly affection, Outdo one another in showing honor. If they love you, you, love, you out-love them. If they honor you, you out-honor them. It's like Scripture's telling us, yes, honor each other. Go above and beyond. Be courteous and kind all the time. And yet there's been times where I've been with people, and I've watched them be courteous and kind, and it's so attractive to watch that. My friend Butch Booth, who used to be on staff here at Sugar Creek, he's never not been courteous and kind to someone. He always has this tendency to take people that I, we, most of us wouldn't even notice and elevate them like they were royalty. I want to be that courteous and kind one day. You know, you can become that courteous and kind. We all can if we respect each other and we see each other as valuable. Okay, three really quick rapid-fire lessons. Really quick, got to be on your game if you're writing these down. Number seven, respectful people refuse to stereotype others. No matter how tempting it is, and I know it can be very tempting, respectful people won't bite on that temptation. They value the people that they meet as individual treasures of the Most High God, one at a time. Somebody moves into your neighborhood, don't stereotype. 
Somebody is a new a co-worker. Don't stereotype. Look at them as individual treasures of the most high God. Lesson number eight. Respectful people apologize immediately when they're wrong. You see, if you value other people and you've learned that you've offended them or done something wrong or hurt their feelings, respectful people go and say the two hardest words that they can say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I was wrong. Respectful people take amen make amends and they go and apologize as quick as they can. Lesson number nine, respectful people form opinions carefully and they're open-minded if additional information comes along. Oftentimes, working in youth ministry, we would be involved with a family. And over the years, you come across families that are going through some hard times, some difficult times. And with that family comes a lot of baggage. You'd hear stories, you'd hear rumors, and we'd start to form our opinion about that family based on the information, even sometimes coming from a third party. We have to remind ourselves, friends, to not leap to conclusions or jump to judgments, but to learn the discipline to form a point of view carefully, prayerfully, and sometimes, if possible, under the guidance of some wise, discerning people. There's always going to be stories. There's always going to be rumors, things said and heard about others. And it can be easy to form an opinion. Resist that temptation. Hold consensus until you hear the other side of the story. This happens a lot in families, doesn't it? <clears throat> we hear this about a family member in a different state or a different part of town doing something. We form an opinion right away about our own family before we get all the information. When I was um, starting off early in my youth ministry days, people would give me books to read. You know, books that I could help me become smarter and wiser. And the mistake that I got into is I would read those books and instantly think those books were the right approach, the right point, the right issue. And I would say, this is me. I'm going to base my leadership off of this style. And what I learned, though, is I have to hold consensus. I have to wait. I can't say that this is going to be the next new thing, the new position. This is not going to be my strong belief. It can't be. I have to read the opposite from some smart author on that. Then I take those two issues and I slowly, carefully, prayerfully consider what my opinion's going to be. It's what respectful people do. They don't latch on to the first or the next great idea and say, you know what, I'm going to repeat this wherever I go because I'm smart. They just stop and they say, you know what, I'm going to form my opinion carefully, slowly, prayerfully. Okay, last one, last private lesson, number 10. Respectful people show up when they say they're going to show up, and they do what they say they're going to do. Say it simply this way, they're prompt and faithful. Just recently I left our youth ministry team at Sugar Creek to become the campus pastor, but one of the things that the youth team always did, they always teased me or ribbed me about me being a stickler about being on time. It never fazed me because I always felt it was respectful to show up on time. If you invited me to be at a meeting at 2 o'clock and I walked in at 2.15, I'm in fact disrespecting you. To some degree, I'm telling you I'm a better person than you. I'm a bigger person than you. My time is my time. I be, I'm more, that's more valuable to me. When in all reality, I should be practicing lesson number eight and apologizing quickly. You know, I'm really sorry. I don't have any excuses. I was late. I'll try not to let that happen again. But you know what I hear today? 
Ah, it's just my generation. We're always late. Seriously? Oh, my whole family, we're always late for everything. It's just in my blood. No, it's not. That's disrespectful. Friends, that's disrespectful. When you're asked to be at a meeting, be on time. When, you're, when you decide to sign up to serve at our church or to, so, to serve in the community, if you decide to sign up for lunch with the pastor or gospel conversation training, show up. It shows respect to the people who are providing food for you and material for you for training, who are anticipating your arrival. When you say you're going to go, go. And if you say you're going to give, give. If you're going to give of your time, if you're going to give of your finances, because it's what respectful people do. They're honoring God who they made the commitment to. They're honoring the people that they made the pledge to. Respectful people show up. They do what they say they're going to do. All right, now that I made such a big deal about being prompt, I want to end promptly. And on the side screen, you will see the 10 lessons we just talked about. Which one leaps out at you? Which one is the Holy Spirit nudging you this morning, saying, you know what, in 2018, you didn't do so well in this area. Maybe in 2019, we can respect a little bit more in this area. You know, respect is a huge thing in our country right now, and it is a huge thing for our church as well, especially a church this size. It is, an it is so important that we all respect each other at this church because if we didn't, this incredible church could fracture overnight. We're so diverse. If wealthy people in our church ever disrespected the poor amongst us, it would break heaven's heart. If the men in this church ever acted disrespectfully to any woman, that can't happen, ever. With 83 countries represented in this building, if people from one part of the world started disrespecting other people from other parts of the world, it could do immeasurable damage to the unity of the body of Christ here. If one race or ethnicity started disrespecting people from another race or culture, it would be so unbelievably sad. If one political party disrespected other political parties across the aisle, it would lead to chaos and confusion. If AM fans ever disrespected UT fans, all right, maybe for one day. So in closing, could we, this morning, the first Sunday of 2019, could we make a public profession as a church, but only make it if it's sincere? So why don't we stand? Why don't we stand this moment? As a church, let's make a public profession that 2019 is going to be a year where we're more respectful than we were in 2018. Repeat after me, if you will. I make a fresh commitment to respect everyone, period. To respect everyone, period. Let's pray. God, thank you for the beginning of a new year. God, 2018 is gone. And we are now in a new year with new opportunities. There's goals, there's resolutions being made. 
But Lord, this morning, will you encourage us to be people who respect everyone, period. That we see everyone as treasures like you see them. That we believe the best in people. That we apologize when necessary. That we stay true to our word. Lord, thank you for that example in Jesus, who was the most respectful person that walked on this earth. Lord, we pray all of this in his name. Amen.